Welcome to Sex and Intimacy with Mary Jo Rapini, the place where you can leave your baggage at the door and learn new and exciting ways to keep it hot with the one you love. And don't forget, send me all your questions and comments because I want to talk about them on the air. Send them to maryjoerapini.com or tweet me at maryjoerapini. Welcome to the second episode of, of Sex and Intimacy with Major Rapini. I'm very honored to have as my co-host, the Dr. Major Rapini. She's an outstanding sex therapist, best-selling author. And well, well, in these episodes, we talk about sex, we talk about intimacy, we talk about relationships. And well, hello, Major Rapini. How are you? Hello, Juan. I'm doing great. Are you excited about our second show? I'm so excited. I've, I feel already that we're really helping a lot of people. Good. And I think that being in a relationship with someone you really care about is the most exciting territory and sometimes the most unknown territory. I know, I know. And today we're going to talk about a very interesting subject. Is We're going to talk about the 15 flags that signal that your marriage is in trouble. And... Uh, Well, the first question we were talking about uh, off the air with Mary Jo about the signals. And the first question that I have for you, for you, Mary Jo, it's signals. Can you predict that? I Well, you know, I don't know how much you can actually predict just if you're not trained. I'm trained, so usually when they come in my office, they've already discovered or they've already tried to work through things okay. that, that they know are big problems in their relationship. But I do think that many times when I go to dinner and I just observe couples, that there are things they do that signal red flags within their relationship. And I think many times those are overlooked by friends and family. We say we may say, mm, they're just having a bad day, but it doesn't take long for those bad days to turn into months and then years and before you know it your marriage is really unraveling so for example what will be one of the first signals that did you actually can can uh, or people that are not trained can actually start picking up and, and see if they believe uh, their marriage is in trouble well you know first of all i i would like to say that no, the number one reason that people divorce is communication if you can't communicate you're going to have a lot of trouble in your marriage and it's usually what makes any relationship um, not worthwhile anymore so if you take number one being when you see couples out and they're not able to talk to one another or laugh with one another or they no longer really have fun together that's a sign to me of poor communication or if couples are holding back or they'll say you're out with them and they'll say I can't tell him or her this I don't know how to how to broach this topic to me that's a sign that something deeper is going on and one it's really really important that the listeners hear and understand that marriage or any relationship that is really tight when it's unraveling it doesn't happen quickly it's it's about seven years and that's plus or minus a couple when i see couples in for therapy very rarely did this just happen more likely it's been going on for years okay and you say seven years seven years plus or minus so that can be basically anywhere from three to four to nine to ten to eleven and these three or four uh years 
are that they're being together or when they started having problems? I think when they started having problems. Okay. So basically what one of the first things I always ask couples when they're coming in is how long has this been going on? And you would be very surprised to hear that most of them will say, mm, probably about 10 years ago. Really? Yes. So and you, they just kind of, you know, they kind of grew accustomed to it. They kind of started feeling like it was normal. Whenever we go out to dinner, we have to take other people with us mm-hmm. or we don't have anything in common. Or, or you know, the kids are getting older and involved in all their activities. And we would much rather go to their games or hang out with their friends because we, if we don't, we'll have to hang out together. And right. what are we going to do together? Right. So basically, so for, for the couples out there, the, for the folks that are together with, with someone, the fact that they're being together for seven or eight or nine years doesn't mean that we're going to have a problem or, or we're going to get into trouble. But, but if they grew accustomed to not listening or not actually addressing the problem that it's brewing, It's brewing. And just because you no longer talk about an issue Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay. Like the second thing that I I wanted to share with the listeners was, you know, asking yourself, does your spouse curse in front of you or your kids? Are they angry? What is their language or their communication like? Is it loving? Is it supportive? Or do they go out of their way to, to hurt people? Those are that's a very important thing. And many times what will happen is if you do have a spouse who is verbally caustic or um, insulting, the other spouse will start tiptoeing around them rather than just saying, you know what, when you talk like that, I don't appreciate it. I don't want our kids hearing it. And you need to get help if you're going to stay in this marriage and I will go with you. But but this is something that I need you to change. All right. So a big flag would be if your spouse is actually cursing in front of you or the children. Absolutely. Okay. I Because that's, that's showing, depicting an anger or a disrespect. And whenever you have disrespect in a relationship, that relationship is doomed. Okay. Now, what happens when, when for example, a, a couple... Uh, it's impossible for them to talk about anything before it comes a uh, full-blown argument. Well, that's usually that usually happens in the latter stage, and I'm glad you mentioned that because many times when you're out with couples, you'll notice that that no matter what that couple is trying to do in their life, there's always an argument that ensues. There's there's never a peacefulness there. You can never go to them and say. Um, hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting a new sofa because we need we need a place we can sit and really relax. There's always, even if he or she agrees that, yes, we need a new sofa, there's always going to be a hassle about it. Whenever you start feeling that no matter what you present, it's there's a hassle that goes along with mm-hmm. it, that's a really bad sign. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so... It's, it's how, what happens? Why this is happening? Well, it's usually happening. I mean, couples get defensive when they feel like they're being unheard or when they feel like they're not getting their own way or their way no longer matters. You know, it's a great thing about dating. When you're dating, you hung the moon. I mean, basically your partner, everything about you, they love and everything about you, they brag about and they... 
you know, it can be your shirt. It can be the fact that you brushed your teeth. I mean, it's a big deal. And it's because there's so much that that you only have so much invested in that person. But when you are with that person, when you commit to that person, all of a sudden there's a change in your thinking and you start thinking you own that person or you share the same name. Now this person belongs to you. And even though that's faulty thinking, that helps to bond a marriage and keep it going. Mm-hmm. The, the key is to have the bonding of the marriage, but never take that person so much for granted mm-hmm. that you don't remember to say kind things to them every day. Because this is something that we talked about in the first episode that, that actually resounded me, what, which, which was uh, sometimes when couples started to have children, yeah. small children, Well, we talked about how uh, women, for example, become very aware. They, they stop being a, a, a wife, if you will, and right. they become a mother. Yeah. So the cent- their center of attention is no longer the, the, the spouse or, or the husband, if you will, but the children. Right. So is that something that could lead up to creating issues with the relationship with, with the, within the marriage? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I think really to go to understand this in the detail that that maybe is important is to understand there's three big precursors to divorce. Mm -hmm. And those are um, communication is Mm -hmm. first. And Mm -hmm. that can be all kinds that can be, you know, the way you get up in the morning, the way you go to bed at night, how you say please and thank you, all sorts of things. The second is sex. And when there's any discord, with sex, it becomes an issue. And because intimacy is such an integral part of sex, when there's no sex, there's usually no intimacy either. It's not the sex that'll kill the relationship. It's the intimacy. Okay. And the third thing is finances. Anytime you feel like your partner can cheat on you with money or they can, they no longer care about the family budget, Um, how hard you're working, what you're putting into the family budget, or anytime they overvalue the budget um, compared to their love for you, things start changing within the relationship, and it, it leaves a lot of hurtful feeling, mostly, most commonly um, on the man's part. And this is because men's idea or what money symbolizes for a man is so much more a part of who they are as a man that when you when you insult a man with money mm-hmm. or about his capability to earn money you get him at the belly level okay and, and so it's much more derogatory for him so three things will change your relationship uh, communication intimacy or the lack of And finances. Absolutely. Three things. So if you have issues those, in one of the three, you could lead to problems. Most commonly, those three things. Now, there's also, you know, there's a list of about eight other things. Okay. But those things don't have the weight the that the first three okay. do. Yes. So again, mm-hmm. remember, guys, uh, communication. If you're going to connect to your partner, you have a problem. Yes. Obviously. To, uh, uh, well, finances is a big thing. And three, the fact that you have a uh, lack of intimacy. Right. That's, now, it's very interesting. Sometimes, um, and I've seen this in younger couples, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not so much in older couples. They might be in the living room 
and they they might be immersed in their own iPads or their own devices and Facebook and everything. Sometimes they're communicating through each other with Facebook, for example. Yes. Social media, it's now a very interesting thing. So what do you think about that? They Should they absolutely shut down email, cell phones, uh, uh, digital devices of any kind, uh, sometimes the TV, and just force themselves to have an intimate conversation? Or it's a good idea to socialize with them with all these gadgets around them? Yes, it's a good idea for you guys to shut the computer and all the gadgets. That's difficult off. for me, though. You know that. I'm addicted well, to computers. You know, that's another issue, but I, you know, um, those things are so important in our daily life. Like I'm, I'm probably the worst. I'm on Twitter. I'm on email. I write articles. I, everything I do is on the computer. But you know, when when people meet me, for example, they're like, "Oh my gosh, you're so much different in person." That's because there's a soul aspect, and I don't know what else to call it, but it's a way we project our essence to other people. Well, you project your essence to your spouse, too. And where um, I can get a love letter from my husband, but my husband can put his arm around me and the love letter isn't as important because I need to feel his skin. I need to feel his skin. I need to smell him. And I need to, I need to hear his voice. Those things all have a huge connection on mm -hmm. me. He could call me, but it's not the same. Just like, you know, if I were able to be in a room with all the listeners, they would feel much differently than hearing my voice over the radio. It's, it's different. And each of us has that. And somehow electronics so far cannot give us those parts we're missing. All right. Uh, one of these shows we have to talk about sexting and all that stuff because I yes. think that's 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 interesting. But uh, for the moment, so th the idea to force yourself, because again, uh, for those who have children like me, mm -hmm. sometimes the children become, in quotes, a distraction because in they're shifting the attention or your attention from your partner. Exactly. Um, that's what they do. Exactly. I mean, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You should be focused on your children as well, of course. But. Well, you know, I, I think it can be a bad thing because I think what happens is today's parents don't have good boundaries. And somehow when the kids are born, they the babies are fragile. In other words, the babies will not make it without human caring and someone really taking care of them. However, you cannot you cannot give that 100% avoiding your your spouse because when you do that, the kids are actually going to be forced into a position where you're making you're making them make the decision to who gets the <clears throat> attention and right. parents cannot allow that. But it takes both parents and I think what normally happens is dad is left out mm -hmm. and mom is mom starts making dad feel guilty mm -hmm. if he says listen i need more like we don't go out anymore we don't go dancing you because you don't feel good about yourself or you don't have anything to wear we don't have a sitter there's a sundry of reasons that women stop being 
sexual and stop being lovers. But those reasons, those excuses are just that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they're not enough to, to really validate why you do them. And I'm going to take a moment to say one thing, two things that are important for us, because obviously this show is dedicated to all uh, all of you guys that want to enhance and keep your relationship, your intimacy, your sex life uh, hot, if you will. Right. Uh, so two things. One, we would love for you guys to send us your comments. Uh, Mary Jo is receiving the tweets at Mary Jo Rapini. So send her tweets. Now, we're recording these uh, live so if you're if you're watching us over ustream.tv, uh, you can always watch. We're going to record this on Fridays, 1 p.m. Central. So you can see us and you can interact with us on Twitter so we can get your questions in and interact with you. And uh, all you have to do is you go to maryjoerapini.com. We're going to have a link there uh, for our Ustream channel. And... Uh, what is going to happen is uh, you can actually click there and start watching this when we're recording it, and you can actually send us your questions or comments uh, on Twitter. So once that happens, so basically we talk about the fact that we have to force ourselves to uh, be intimate with each other. We have to talk about finances. We have to have a great communication. But uh, what about threats? Threats are one of the most important things that listeners hearing this need to understand. When when your spouse threatens you with anything, that is a red flag. And perhaps, I mean, it's only three on this list, but it's maybe the most important. When that happens, it's time you really think very seriously about getting out of this relationship. Love doesn't threaten. Okay, now... How, what would you call a threat? I would call a threat any time that your partner tells you um, anything that could hurt you or your child. So if they threaten to divorce you or they threaten to leave you or they threaten to take the kids or they threaten to hurt you or they threaten to hurt anybody in your family or any of your friends, I call those all threats. And many times, especially what I deal with is the people that threaten to hurt themselves if the relationship doesn't work out. And that's every bit as abusive because, once again, you're using your own, your own sense of manipulating to get what you want. And a threat is what you do when you're scared of losing. Oh, really? Absolutely. I didn't know that. Yeah. So when you're scared of losing something, you threaten. That's right, because wow. you're trying to get them back in place. Okay. Okay. Very good. Now, for example, this one is a very interesting. Uh, does your pa- your spouse refuse to help with chores? Well, Child care. Well, you know, but, but, but chores? Really? Absolutely. I don't chores think guys are- like to do chores, though. I don't uh, think, in general. I don't think there's a lot of things guys like to do. But, I mean, I but mean, you know what? Sometimes you have to want. It's just the way it is. It's not okay to, to have your spouse do those, even if they're home. Like, even if the, your spouse is home all day with the kids. I know a lot of guys will say, well, you know, Mary Jo, she should do that because she's home all day. You know, it's just not Or good you pay enough. for help. Yeah, well, you can pay for help. If you pay for help, that's good. If you, But just remember, sometimes that help is help is needed on the weekends so it has to be a handy person that can come on the weekends too because as guys we could say uh well darling 
I pay for help. So, you know. Right. You you do pay for help, but at the same time, does that help um, help your wife too, your partner? Is Or is she still having to do all of the household stuff, but this person is mostly to help you? I mean, it's very... Basically, when you really care about someone, then you also care about your living situation and the yard and all this stuff. And there's some things guys should do, probably, and there's some things women should do. You can divide it up however you want. I mean, some women like to mow lawns, some guys like to do dishes, but whatever you do. The best thing is if you can have a dishwasher or you can have the luxury of having someone help you a handy person, but most people can't afford that. So it comes back to, you know, guys pitching in. And I think the best way is not if the wife has to delineate the chores, who does what, but if you decide together, Sunday nights were our nights. Sunday nights, we had a whiteboard, just like what you have in your office, Juan. And I would write all the chores (laughs) down, and then he would initial behind some, I would, and we got it as close to even as possible. If I was traveling, then he would take over, and if he were traveling, I would take over. All right. It works out, and you will see a big difference in the relationship. If he refuses and he really thinks, and and I am saying this, he, because women do do 87% of the chores. If the man refuses and he kind of sits around, he wants to watch sports, put his feet up, have a beer, you know what? It's just not okay. It's a warning sign. If I were living with someone like that, you can bet I'd start packing my bag because know that there are men out there who will work with you. And if he says, well, I'm in the 99th percentile, say, well, we'll see. <laughs> I'm leaving. Because I think resentment will kill a marriage or a relationship. And if you're going to be resentful about him not participating, then it's not worth it. Now, child care, meaning, you know, Taking care of your kids, I guess. Well, that that's kind of a that, that's kind of a situation that uh, well happens all the time. I mean, you should take care of your child together, correct? I I think so. Sure. Take them care of them together, or you know, the big thing is don't look at your kids like you're babysitting, okay. because you're not babysitting. You're taking care of your mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. and it's very important. And I, you know, actually, I've seen more dads with strollers lately than I've ever seen in my life. And I I think this can only be good. Your kids need it. All right. Now, what about, well, financial obligations? Now, some 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 couples, one of the members is working, especially the guys, for yes. example. Uh, sometimes they both work depend, depending on their situation. Sometimes the wife works or their wives work because they want to. For example, in your case... Right. You work because you work because you want to, right? Well, I want I want to work, and I basically I don't know what I would do if I didn't work. My I was raised by a mother, who was the primary breadwinner, and in the U.S. for the first time, women are are the percentage is that more women are the primary breadwinners than men. So times have changed, and I've seen a lot of couples leaving their relationship because. One of them is unemployed or laid off, and the other partner has it all. And they're doing everything. They're doing the kids. They're doing the chores. They're doing the breadwinning. And nobody can exist like that. I mean, after a while, you just go, you know what? What are you doing? And when you have to start asking your partner that, it's a red flag. I see. I see. Now, for example, uh, this is interesting. Uh 
does your spouse have friends of the opposite sex that they demand they see even at your request that it takes your insecure or threatened? Right. When, when this And this happens mostly through Facebook, um, through texting, through sexting. And what we're seeing more and more in the marital relationship field is that couples are talking to, to opposite sex friends and getting very intimate, very close. And the partner, the spouse, if you will, gets very nervous. And so they will tell their partner, listen, I don't like you talking to them. It makes me insecure. And I don't think it's helping our marriage, I think, or our relationship. I think it's making it worse. And the other partner, you know, just shrugs it off. And, well, you know, I can do what I want. I can have friends. And they justify it that way. But it's it's a red flag. I mean, mm-hmm. if if my if my husband was Facebooking and sexting and texting. Well, sexting other is an women. issue. Well, sexting is too obvious, right? I mean, but if he were if he were texting women that that it wasn't business related and that made me feel insecure, and some women and men will, because what they do is some people um, aren't aren't married or they're not with someone. And if they get any attention from a man or a woman, they get very excited about it. And they don't really appreciate boundaries, whether that's marriage or anything else. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it can be it can cause a divorce. And I think I think we're just wise to be aware of it, that it is a red flag. Talk about it. It's another issue that needs to be handled prior to splitting up or something worse. So you think Facebook is killing relationships? Well, you know, I for the first time now, lawyers are having the the clients bring in Facebook writings as a form of defense if they're trying to sue for more money or something or divorce and get a better settlement. So the fact that legally you can get in big trouble with it, yeah, I'd be careful, really With careful. Facebook mm-hmm. or Twitter or any of the social media? Well, texting, I mean, there couples have for a long time been, been bringing me text messages from their partner's phone of what went down between their partner and another person. So it's, it is a big problem in relationships, and it's certainly a red flag because it isn't, it isn't that that behavior alone would cause a rift. It's the fact that you ignored that your spouse or your partner asked you not to do that. And they also told you that it made them insecure, and you continued anyway. Okay. So. All right. Now, for example, uh, hurtful discipline, you know, hitting your kids, uh, yelling at them, uh, you know, being a little bit more firm than you should with your kids. Is that a red flag, really? That's a red flag because basically when someone is so cruel, you know, it's just like um, one of the first signs that a, that a kid is being abused at home is if if that kid abuses a pet. Well, when you are abusive or or hurtful, oh really? That's a big flag. So it's if, a, if, a, it's if, a, if a little flag. one, if goes I after see a, yes, if I see a small child uh, try to hurt an animal, I will usually call CPS. Really? It's at it's at high of a correlation. Wow. They're okay. usually getting hurt in their own family. Okay. So in the same way, when one couple 
one of the couples is, one of the partners is abusive to the kids or a partner, that is a red flag. This, this person, and you know what I want to tell um, men and women is you can't help an abuser. You're staying with them. It, you can't treat them. They are sick, and they probably 99% of the time were abused in their family of origin, and you cannot take that away, no matter how much you love them. I know so many people get married, well, they had a rough childhood, but you know I'm going to love them through it. You can't love them through it. It's impossible. So let them go. Let them get help from the people they need to get help, which is therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists. And you take care of the kids. Stay with the kids and take mm-hmm. care of them. Now, very interesting. And, and this, it, this uh, the next question that we actually have, it doesn't necessarily apply only to marriages, but also to relationships like your boyfriend, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, does your partner respect you or do they talk down to you or make you feel lower than them? That happens a lot. It happens a lot. And I think it is a red flag because many couples, this is the way they converse. You know, there's this there's this type of mentality or thinking that um, one of you is more blessed than the other person. Mm-hmm. And when you get married, if you keep bringing that that scenario in like um, I rescued you or you would have been nothing without me or any of the other junk they tell their partner then that's a red flag this person is most probably what's happened is you've you've married or you've joined together with a narcissist and really okay yeah so I when they talk like that they're insulting and they talk down to you and you know you'll see that from different people even in, in your employment There's certain um, employers that when they have people work for them, they they talk down to them. And I, I'm, I'm not sure they're always aware of it, but I tell you, I left a job like that once. Nobody needs that. You don't, you don't need to be objectified or thought about in a certain way any less than anyone else. There is, if you work for someone, then they are the boss. It's their company. You should respect them for that. But they should respect you for what you're bringing right, to the correct, table. Correct. So. Now, one of the things that we probably can, one of those basic example is, for example, with immigration. Yes. Well, when when you know uh, one of the members of the marriage, it's it's from outside the United States. I know that this program is being listened to in other countries, but. Uh, let's take, for example, the United States and immigration. When we, most of the time, you you will when you get married, you get a green card, so you are able to stay here legally. But that depends on your marriage. So sometimes, uh, especially for for from people that are Eastern Europeans in this case, that are coming into the United States as refugees, uh, and they get married, there's some sort of tension there because because of the spouse, they're in the country. Right. And there's a lot of abuse that happens in those relationships because the person who is the immigrant it always has in the back of their mind, will I have to go back? And once you make that break to come to a new country, enter a new relationship, a new marriage or whatever, mm-hmm. then you are really, really in a very vulnerable, fragile situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you may find yourself being more tolerant of being abused or treated 
disrespectful. And that would be a big mistake Mm -hmm. because there are different, you know, you can go to adult protective services if you're an adult here in the in the states and you they will help protect you. They will help you stay in this country and hopefully give you resources that you can try and work things out with this Mm -hmm. person. But um, but that is a huge problem. Now, for example, when couples make fun of each other or when one member of uh, the spouse, uh, wife or husband makes fun of the other partner. Right. And I see that, you know, I work a lot with morbid obesity and I've seen it a lot with with obesity. And part of it, I believe, is because it's okay to tease people for being obese, because in this society, what we say and, you know, my mother was obese. What we say is, well, you know, if you don't want to be heavy, then push yourself away from the table and exercise. But when you have extra weight on you, exercise is, is, can be damaging to your body. It, for one thing, it's you know, really hard on the joints and the hips and the feet. Usually those people develop diabetes, so their feet are numb many times. And you're limited in your capacity to be able to exercise. And obesity is such a, a complex disease that it has very little to do with pushing away from the table. When, you, when people get obese, basically obesity takes over the mm-hmm. liver and it, it calls the shot. So if you, if you find yourself that you're in a vulnerable position, whether it's with obesity or some other problem you have uh, that makes you feel weak and your partner is belittling you or making fun of you for that, the first thing is you've got to tell them. You've got to like tell stop. them. Stop it. Like stick up for yourself, advocate for yourself and let them know you don't like this, you don't appreciate it and you're not going to put up with it. And if they push the if they push it, then you may want to start going to counseling. I think mm-hmm. counseling can help with the majority of these things right. because the way counseling works is it actually starts you um, advocating for yourself a little bit more. Okay. It starts validating you, and that's what most people who struggle with any of these boundary issues really need. Now, for example, something that it's um, you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago about now uh, in the U.S., for example, women started to be the breadwinner of the relationship. Yes. Um, sometimes, and I, I cannot speak for all guys out there, right. but for for some guys, and I would say most mm-hmm. guys out there, when you have when you have a woman that is very successful, in fact, more successful than you as a male, mm-hmm. that creates some tension. Absolutely. Because because I don't know if it's genetically there or something, but you want to be the winner. You want to be the one that is being looked up to. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, my, my grandfather used to say, actually, it's very interesting. The moment your woman, that's your girlfriend, your wife, stop, stops looking up to you and sto- mm-hmm. stop admires you, you are doomed. <laughs> I mean, and, and well, you know, he, he yeah, was... Yeah, that's right. He was well, a very firm mm-hmm. person. I mean, he, he was outstanding. But... Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about because right now careers get involved. Uh, some of, I mean, one, uh, the wife, for example, or the husband might engage into a, a great uh, or a nice wave of personal growth in their jobs, careers, everything money-wise. Sometimes uh, the wife might start making more money than the, the, than the husband. So, and someone is getting hurt for that. 
So is that a is, is is that a really red flag or is it just something that happens naturally? I think it's something. Well, for one thing, it's culturally because I know a lot of the Latinos, and you know, I'm from. Thank Italy. you very much. They, they, you know, the the men are have a little bit more machismo, and they, um, they do take pride in being able to provide. They see one of their jobs in, in being a man as being the provider. But a lot of the couples now that um, that are you know younger and starting, they're much they they enter marriage much more equal. So they have they both have college educations and both of them are going in in par- they're they're actually parallel and they're joining their funds together and they're they see each other more as we're going to live where we both can find the best employment and I'm I'm noticing less um, less tension in the area of who's going to earn more. Mm-hmm. You know, I in my own marriage I'm not sure if my husband would have big problems if I began earning more. There's been times I've been very close, but um, I think more what it is is when one partner gets more attention, and it seems that women are socialized to get more attention with maybe their beauty or their abilities to welcome people, and maybe men are are much more socialized, if you will, to be the breadwinner or successful in their career. That's changing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that if you do have tension in your marriage because of that, the most important thing is that you would talk about it and that your, your spouse that is making more money would always be sensitive to their partner who maybe is feeling a little bit um, less or weak right. in this area because I, you know, I look at the the women leaders in our country, and their husbands have their own thing too, and they're, you know, the woman is getting the attention for being the most powerful, but these guys most of the time seem to accept it, and um, if they do have tension, you don't you don't see a lot of it. Right, right. Well, you know, I would I wouldn't marry Oprah Winfrey, for example. Yeah. I've, you know, I've well, she obvi- other men must think that way because, well, either that or Oprah just has no intention to ever get married. Well, yeah. And again, it's, it's um, for, the gals, for the guys out there, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of security in yourself, self, self-assurance, to be able to go out with someone that you consider more successful than you, especially in a woman. If, if this uh, woman is hot, sexy, attractive, mm-hmm. uh if it's attractive to the extreme, right. most guys won't touch it. Well, most guys won't go out. I mean, of course, that's not my case, but you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, but it's it's an issue, right? I, I, mean, I think that is. I, I I like what you're saying because I think it's really true. I think people have problems with it, and I'm you know I don't see in my office. I don't see as much of that. I see more that a guy loses his job and then he feel he goes through this feeling that he's not worthwhile. Right. But that's a little bit different because mm-hmm. his wife might not be successful either. He it's more the loss, the rejection from doing something that he felt he was valued at. And and one of the things that I would tell all the guys out there, it's me being a, a guy obviously, but uh, your self-worth it's not determined by the job you have. 
Yeah. And that's important. I mean, I know in this culture, in this country, we we believe that. We believe that the, 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 the your job defines your worth. And that's not true at all. Uh, and it is important because you are your job. You are, I mean, your job is part of you, but it's not the whole you. So if, if there are some folks out there that just, with this economy that we're living at the moment, they're lost their jobs. One of the things that the most thing, or the most important thing that they have to understand, if you get down and you get depressed, you won't be able to get a new job because you have to believe in yourself to be able to sell yourself to another company, sell your services, your ideas. And well, that's another show, but it's important now that we touch this because, because again, remember what we talked about, communication, finances, and uh, intimacy. And if a guy loses their job, probably won't communicate as well. Finances will be an issue. Yes. And I don't know if you agree with me, but if you don't feel successful, you usually don't feel sexual as a guy. Oh, absolutely. I And, and you know, the intimacy sex part of the relationship is more powerful than the financial part as far as causing problems. Mm-hmm. But it's um, if you're not, if you don't feel like you're doing a good job in your place as being the man or the woman of the family, you're not going to be as good at sex. All right. Bottom All right. Line. Okay. Well, important thing. Uh, in talking about the same, same, the same uh, line of thought is what if your spouse doesn't desire you sexually? Uh, do they resist by pointing out your faults? Do they compare you to other most desirable spouses? That's a big no-no. That's a big no-no. I mean, come on. If I'm telling you, <laughs> well, I wouldn't like to have sex with you, but I would like to have sex with X. Well, go and don't ever come back. You know what I mean? Come on. Do you know that I have heard more guys tell their wives that than you can believe? Really? And yes, I I just, or they'll say, uh, yeah, she's good. Yeah, I'd like to have sex with both of you. And they don't under, I don't know. I don't know why they say it. I just think they must be, I don't, well, they must want to go to therapy because it's a red flag and you really? should never, ever say it to your spouse. Well, well, hold on. We know the number one fantasy of men. What is the it? The number one fantasy of men is watching two women. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Absolutely. You agree with that? Our producer Abraham over here? Yes? Mm. I don't know. Or, okay, second is Maybe. a man having sex with two women. You would like that, Abraham? Maybe, yeah. That's number two. Really? So mm-hmm. two women going at it. That's a- their number, that's the number one fantasy. For really? Men. Supposedly, you guys are the ones filling out the survey, not I. <laughs> well, anyways, so, but, but going, going back to that point, which is, I mm-hmm. think is important, th- saying one thing or not saying one thing doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Exactly. So, would you, I mean, you So you just don't say it. Well, right, right, right. But the fact that you don't say it doesn't mean that you wouldn't desire to that happen. For example, if you bring me a nice, absolutely hot model and you tell me you wouldn't like to have sex with her, right? Well, you know, I might say, well, mm, but it's, it's absolutely hot, beautiful, nice, uh, you know, model. 
Well, you know, if they bring you a movie star, who is your you, Mary Jo? Who is absolutely your best movie star, someone that you consider hot? Hmm. You know, I don't really get into movie stars. They're not my type. Okay, well, okay. Well, anyways, so if, if, if you have a movie star or someone famous. Okay. Okay. So what about, for example, all the girls out there, if they could have a date with Bradley Cooper, you're telling me that you would say no? Yeah, I am. Well, you, I mean, you. No, but I'm no, telling no. you most women aren't into that. Okay. I, they they may talk about it. you know, remember when Magic Mike came out yeah okay and it was about a strip teaser that okay. uh, that was a male women went to laugh and have fun but that's not how women's brains work mm. we need women are are into security okay so we are not motivated by our our sex is not motivated by looks our sex is motivated by what man is going to afford us the most security. So it's about the software, not the hardware. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Not not that the hardware isn't valued, because I think that's what a lot of men begin thinking, like well, she just wants money. It has nothing, It well, it has a little bit to do with money because we want security. And if he happens to also come with good hardware, with the ability to express his love to us in a way that makes our body feel pleasure. He gets an extra bonus point. Brownie but points. It's, but it's not the number one thing. Okay. And I think I think if men understand that, because, you know, what what is beautiful to a woman is lots of different things, but it's probably more going to look like this. It's going to be a part of his face or his body, like a jaw or the way the sun is coming in and hits his hair and his eyes. It's not going to be a whole person. You know what I think? Hmm. And most people will, if you laugh, guys, well, just send us a tweet. But I think I'm going to be a very good looking 40 year old guy. 40, 45, 50. I'm going to be good. I'm yeah, not, probably so. I'm, I'm, I'm not 40 yet, guys. So, well, because, because I, I think, I believe, guys, between 40 and 50 years old, they are successful. Their careers are well-established. Uh, I'm not saying they're they, they absolutely good-looking, but I'm saying they're established. And they are an icon of security, of success. They're doing good, most of them. Right. Because they're, you've been working for 20 years, 30 years already, so you've developed some savings most of the time. I'm not saying all the time, but most of the time. So... And that's when these one of these situations might happen, because exactly because and, and we talked about this before is sometimes guys think is if I knew what I know now at fifty when I was twenty five I would probably rock the world. Probably not though, right? You think you, you don't think so? I I think a lot of guys think that way, but the truth is they wouldn't because it takes a level of maturity that they have at fifty to be able to rock the world. I think what really makes a guy very sexually appealing is the way he can express himself. And most guys who are 25, 30, 35, maybe sometimes 35, they don't quite have it. They're no match. A woman could chew them up and spit them out. They, they're, just, they're just not all there. But when they get older, 
um, they become a real force to reckon with because now, really? yeah, I think they can hold, I think they can hold you now. They, they can hold you with their mind and with their actions. All and right. That's, that makes a huge difference. Okay. Now this is important. Uh, your partner not being as loving or giving as it was. Uh, now, changing ethically or morally, what's what's up with that? Well, what will happen many times is people, as they are in a relationship for a while, they'll take on a new a new religion or a new philosophy. Or, um, for example, if you've always lived your life and you've been a Christian forever, and then all of a sudden you start practicing Christian science. Christian science is a completely different type of religion, if you will. It's a philosophy, and it changes everything you believed in as a person and as a couple. And many times, it, who's ever with you is not going to be able to wrap their head around there. And parts of Christian science um, may not bode well in the relationship. Okay. So this is a this is a red flag. Whenever a person, when you're with a person who makes a drastic moral change, whether that's they decide they want to they want to try swinging, or they want to try swapping, or whatever you call it, what whenever they do something like that, that's just so morally different, is a red flag. Okay. Something's going on. And Nobody for, wakes up that way. And, and remember, we have a lot of listeners outside the United States, so maybe you should explain really quickly what swinging and swapping is. Well, swinging is something I just wrote an article about. It's getting a lot of attention because people are starting to use it as a way to spice up their marriage. But there's nothing spicy about it. It, it can't be used to spice up a marriage because any marriage that would embrace it would already be flawed in, trouble, in, yeah. in my estimation. It's basically when you decide as a couple that you want variety with sexual partners. So mm -hmm. you decide you're going to join another couple or another one of the one of the partners of the couple or something like that. And and then you are all doing things together intimately as well as not so intimate, like you're sharing meals and then you go to bed together. And it doesn't mean that both of the partners will actually swing, but usually the one who's not swinging is t is present and taking pictures or something like I that. I see. All right. Okay. Well, let, let's, let's move along. Uh, avoiding any opportunity to bring harmony or joy to your family. Right. And you've seen those people. They're the ones that just want to be miserable and they stop they stop celebrating the reunions they stop going to the family functions they no longer want to celebrate the holidays they just use those opportunities to be miserable and it seems like they're excellent at at choosing the times when the family is most committed to being together all right so all right um Now, this is important. Has your spouse been unhappy for so long that they have already given up on your marriage? Yeah, I think a lot of people are married that have given up on it. Really? And how can you tell? There's just, you know, the worst thing is not hate in a relationship. The worst thing is indifference. When you just don't care. 
you just don't care anymore. That's a sign that that you've given. You're up. out. Yeah, it's worse than I think it's worse than hating because to hate something, you have to you have to be angry. It has to have hurt. You have to have feeling. But to just not care is dead. Okay. Now the, the, this one, it's it's pretty obvious. Uh, when the spouses, when one spouse tells the other that, well, I don't love you anymore, but I'm staying because of the kids. That's yeah. pretty bad. Um, that well, that's definitely a red flag, and I would get you know I would do serious <laughs> well, counseling that, that, that's and start doomsday. working on it. But I will say this: you know, I've been married for a long time, and there are times that I get up in the morning and I look over at him and I'm thinking, how did I ever end up with this guy? And I think you're talking about from experience. Yeah, I think if couples were really honest that they would admit to having those feelings every once in a while. There are times when I think to myself, I'll see him sitting there doing something, and I'll think, how did this ever happen, and how does it work? Right. I, I'm in a mood where I'm just, I don't know. <clears throat> and I, I have the, the smart doing what I do, to not share those times with him because actually it if you think about it, it has nothing to do with him it's is you it's me right it's me have you heard about the somebody told me this idea and i think was a a very appealing idea a, mm. a great idea is what if you have an expiration date on your on your your marriage contract let's say we're going to be married for five years After five years, we'll decide if we want to renew the contract. Some people believe that that would be very interesting because it's an exp I mean, it expires. So mm -hmm. you have to keep at it, making sure if you really love your partner, hey, you know what? It's about to expire. She's going to be or he's going to be free legally to do whatever he wants. There's no divorce. There is no reckoning of the marriage there is no the financial consequences of that it's just an expiration date and if you decide to renew the contract that's great but if you don't you're out what do you think about that i think we'd all end up like politicians and i so i'm <laughs> normally just so anti i think we'd all be bargaining for our position at the in the last year really trying to make it up and i i think there'd be a lot more resentment i what i would love to see is in the marital vows if we stopped saying the word forever. Um, if we got married and instead of death do we part, we begin making it a, a contract, if you will, between our, our, our own soul and God. So I, I would make a promise to God rather than a promise to a man. Because humans are fallible, and I, when I promise to love my husband forever, I, I promised in front of him, to him, in front of all my family and people I loved at that time, but I did something inside that I think was probably more poignant, and that was I made that promise to God. Mm -hmm. So if my husband died... Um, He died, his earthly, he's gone from the earth, but I still made the promise. So I would be less likely 
to get remarried. And okay. I would be less likely to to think about that because I I made a promise and to stay true to my commitment to God, it was my death, not his. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we're running out of time okay. uh, for, for this show. And uh, well, first of all, why you don't tell your followers where they can find you? Okay, the best way to get a hold of me is maryjoerapini.com or you can tweet me at maryjoerapini. And one of the things that we would like you to do, you guys, is send us your questions, send us your comments. We will tackle them on this show. Uh, the idea is for you to express on an email, on a tweet, on a post, so we can... We, we can um, Read it and share it with all the audience. Of course, you can remain anonymous. That's not a problem at all. Uh, so we can actually talk about the real issues that are having with, that are going on with your relationship. Right? Sounds great. Yeah. Mary because jo- we really want to talk about them. Like yeah. If, if you guys can get them out to us, then we can address them. We can start spending a small part of each show sure. just answering your questions. And, you know, obviously I'm a psychotherapist and I'm licensed. So there's certain things that I'm going to say you need to talk to a counselor about. But there's some things that are very easy to answer. And mm-hmm. I, I think it'll be great. You could you can take us along uh, if you go out on a date or if you're just getting together with the girls or the guys for happy hour. And we'll make some good conversation for you. All right. Mary Jo Rapini, thank you for being on the show. Remember, these shows are, uh, are available on iTunes and all the platforms that follow us. Every Wednesday, and we record this show live via Ustream.tv every Friday at 1 o'clock Central. So we invite you to attend to the show, uh, to watch it uh, on video on uh, Ustream Live, and then to listen to ed- the edited, pretty, outstanding version on iTunes every Wednesday. Well, this is Juan Gabara Torres. Thank you for being part of the show, and we'll listen to each other next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.